Barry Dulac. Whammy! Josh Yoey of The Athletic joining us here on The Crowley Show. No Penn's talk the first hour. A lot of Penn's talk coming your way now. What's up, Yoey? Not much. Just got back from Denver. The old Denver-Phoenix-Vegas road trip. That's a real tough one. I, I can't complain. We're going to talk about this in great detail. In Denver, did you get into any of the stuff that you wouldn't legally be able to get into here? No, honestly, I've never been high in my life, true story. I live my life on a natural high. I have no interest. But it's funny, when you're in Denver, um, everybody's high. Like Everybody's friendly and just smiling at you walking down the street. You absolutely notice the difference. It's, it's, it's a very amusing place to visit. <laughs> yeah, I love Denver. Denver's great, man. That's <laughs> yeah, one of my favorite cities. It, yeah, it is It is. is for me, too, man. A, a lot of people are fit and in shape because they're all climbing mountains and then on their yeah, free time. Yeah, everybody they're... has a dog, too. Yeah, they do. A lot do. of dogs walking around. A lot yeah. of dogs. Uh, now, there's a lot of hookers walking around in Vegas. Uh, right. I'm sure you did not partake in that, but uh, any of the gambling? Um, you know, I really didn't. Um, I, I was tempted to put some money on the Steelers, and I'm so happy I didn't. No now, kidding. Because that would have been the worst bet ever, like, in terms of frustration. I, I can't even imagine. It was a big day for the Vegas casinos, by the way, since they did have Patriots by three. Yeah, dude. They all, they if, all made their holiday money there. <laughs> Vegas is brilliant with the lines that they come up with. And even the over-under, I think, was 51-and-a-half, 52. So, I mean, so it was right on the nose for over-under. And it was right on the nose for the point spread. Those bastards. Unbelievable. No, I know. That was one of my first thoughts when everyone thought, oh, the league's trying to help the Patriots. My thought was, if there's any conspiracy involved, Vegas has lost a ton of money on the NFL this year, and they just made it all back in that in that bet because you know everybody was betting that game. No kidding. Now, let me ask you <laughs> this about Vegas. What's the atmosphere there like? What's the arena like? What is uh, the vibe for the Vegas Golden Knights? Because they're playing really darn good hockey. Boy, are they ever. Um, I really enjoyed it. The atmosphere is off the charts. And I actually went to the game before they played the Penguins against Carolina to talk with Mark andre Fleury. And even for that game, the atmosphere was really good. It was a Tuesday night. Now, let me tell you something. That whole city is really into that team. And it's a big city. It's their only team. So I guess it makes sense. And the atmosphere of the next game was even better, of course, because there were about eight or 9,000 screaming drunk Pittsburghers. Um, but uh, that city is totally in love with with the Golden Knights. Every time you're in a, an Uber or a cab, that's all the drivers want to talk about. I mean, everybody's into it. Uh, it's one of the nicer hockey buildings I've ever been to. Uh, the atmosphere was wonderful. Uh, it's early on, but uh, it's been a huge success story. And look at the record. What are they, like 22-9-2 and or something? Like They can pretty much tank the second half and still make the playoffs. I think there's a very good chance that they're going to get in at this point, and it's an incredible story. It really is, and I'm rooting for him because of Marc-Andre Fleury. What did you talk to Marc-Andre about? How excited is he to be out there? I mean, it's certainly different, no question, but it's it's definitely a challenge that he's not had to experience, although I guess going back to the beginning of Pittsburgh, uh, he kind of had to rebuild this franchise too. He did. You know what's interesting? Uh, the entire marketing campaign out there is strictly built around him. He is the star. He is the name out there. And he's on billboards everywhere. He, I mean, it's unbelievable. Everybody's wearing a 29 jersey in Vegas. And I think he's enjoying it a little bit, you know? I, I mean, he's in his 30s now. He's getting later on in his career. And not that he didn't play for a high-profile team for a while. He did. But, you know, Crosby and Malkin always got all of that kind of attention, and now he's kind of the guy. And I think it's uncomfortable for him on some level, 
but on another level, I think he's enjoying it a little bit. And uh, it is something different. And, and I asked David Perron that very question, the former Penguin who's out there, and he said, listen, he said every single person in this room was exposed to the expansion draft or traded here. Somebody didn't really want us. And that is why our record is what it is. There's an unbelievable motivation factor. And don't think that that doesn't play a role with Flurry. I, I have no doubt that it does. Oh, I think, I think there's definitely merit to that. Hell, I'm on AM radio. Everyone cast me off, and I work my ass off every day to prove <laughs> that I belong. Josh Yoey from The Athletic joining me here on The Crowley Show. Yoey, can you please, please... Tell me how to pronounce this last name for the defenseman that the Penguins acquired. I believe it's Alexiak. Does that sound right? And I only know that. I, I know very little about the man, really. I mean, he's a number seven defenseman, whatever. But uh, his sister was a fairly famous Olympian in Canada, Penny Alexiak. So assuming her last name is pronounced the same as her brother's, and I'm going to guess that it is, uh, we're going to go with that. Okay, so uh, it is what you said it was. You think that this guy, <laughs> you think that this Oleksiak guy is a seventh defenseman? You don't think that that's the first shoe to drop and, and the next one is the movement of Ian Cole? It, it feels that way, doesn't it? Um, I, you know, I asked Jim Rutherford point blank yesterday. I said, Jim, you got eight NHL defensemen right now. That's kind of a lot for a team that's having trouble forward. And he said, yeah, well, this gives me more options now. <laughs> so. Make of that what you will. Uh, I think there is certainly a chance Ian Cole will be traded before the deadline here in the next couple of months. It's not a lock, but I think that's probably the plan right now simply because he's gone this summer anyway, so the thinking is maybe we can replace Cole with this guy and get a legitimate forward back in return for him. Um, Maybe that will work. I don't know. This guy's kind of a project, though. Um, yes, he was a, I think, 14th overall pick a few years back, so obviously there's an enormous amount of size and talent there. But this is not a polished hockey player who's ready to help compete for a Stanley Cup just yet. So we'll, we'll see where they use him. I'm fascinated to see when, when Schultz gets healthy, especially, who the odd men out are. I, I, I haven't a clue right now. I don't know if the Penguins are sure. Is Rutherford pissed the way his hockey team's playing right now? No. I, I don't think he's... Let me put it this way. He's not pissed at the players. I had a conversation in Vegas, actually, with him about this very thing. He said, I'm not mad at them. I know they're trying. I know they care. He said, people think they don't care. He said, no, they care. He said, you don't win two Stanley Cups without having a group of very prideful people. But I think his concern is that, just like everyone else who observes this team, maybe the legs aren't coming all the way back. Maybe those two springs just took something out of them, and they need some new bodies. I think that's a pretty fair observation at this point, and that doesn't mean he wants to uh, mess with the core of this team, but could he use maybe three or four new bodies in that locker room before the deadline to help things out? Yeah, I, I think he's very clearly starting to see that. So the word I would use would not be pissed. It would be very concerned. I think he's very concerned. Who are some of the guys who could possibly be casualties, if you will, guys who get moved out so that new blood does come in? Well, I mean, I mentioned Cole, and I think he's, He's certainly one guy that uh, is likely to be gone, I would think. And it's kind of interesting that I mentioned him. Think about the way he plays, just the way he blocks shots, how physical he is. Then you think about guys like Nick Benino who do the same thing. Those guys' bodies start to break down. Patrick Hornquist isn't great this year. They haven't given him a new contract yet, have they? Um, guys like that, I think they're a little leery about giving the big contracts to. Um, Cole is one. And, and then when you look at the forwards, um, they have a surplus at wing. So if anybody's going to go, it certainly won't be a center. Could, could a Connor Sherry go? Could, you know, Brian Ross go? Could Hornquist go, which sounds crazy. 
But, you know, the fact is he's unrestricted this summer, too. He's going to want close to $6 million a year. I don't know if they're going to go there. And that's somebody you could get a massive return for. You think that the St. Louis Blues are a team that can't get over the hump? You think they wouldn't like having Patrick Hornquist? So uh, all of those are possibilities. Um, I don't think it will be any of the superstars. I Obviously, Crosby and Malkin aren't going anywhere. I don't think Kessel is. I, I know the whole city wants to trade Crystal Tang. I don't see that happening right now for a number of reasons, the least of which is his value is not very high right now. But could those next range of players go? Yeah, I think anybody's fair game at this point. What's the frustration level in the locker room, Josh? You're in there all the time. Pretty high. Um, that Colorado game in particular, I, I think they felt like they played really well against Arizona and deserved to win that game, and they did. And then when you go lose to the Avalanche for the second time in a week, um, that one really affected them. That was a somber locker room. And nobody has come out and said this, of course, because they all love their teammates, but there's almost a sense in that locker room that the players are thinking, all right, Jim, go get us someone. We, we need some help. And I, and I could be wrong, but I, I really got that sense after the Colorado game that they kind of know they're a little broken right now and they need some help. And I think Jim knows it too, and I just think it's a very difficult time to make trades because everybody in the NHL thinks they're good right now. And therefore, no general manager just want to give away players, and it's a tough spot for Jim right now. Most teams in the Metro do happen to be good right now. There's no doubt about that. I mean, my God. That's got to get the Penguins at least a little uneasy. But that being said, last year they weren't exactly lighting the world on fire. And the year before, I mean, we all know what happened. Mm-hmm. There was no question there. I was just hoping that you would elaborate. Oh, I thought I thought there was like a, a problem with my phone, but you just went for the statement instead of the question. I we, did. we exhibited poor chemistry there. We, we did. Fault, you know what, man? Like. <laughs> I, I used to have you on every week, uh, but I thought that might be a little much, especially since you're out there on the road. So it's been you know once every couple weeks, and our chemistry's suffering, man. Maybe maybe I lied to you about my behavior in Denver. I don't know. That was anyway, it. no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. No, um, now getting back to what we were saying. Ask the question because I don't even remember at this point. I'm all rattled. I didn't even I ask even a question. Know. I didn't even the first. Well, make the statement. I'll make the statement. Again. I don't know. Okay, here's the statement. All right. Ready. I'm absolutely ready. Okay, here comes a statement. The Penguins in the Metro right now have to be looking around and going, oh my God, Like we're not in a great spot. That being said, it's not like they weren't in a great spot the last couple of years, right? Correct. Let's make some radio magic now. Um, the Metro is interesting. It was more top-heavy last year in that the Blue Jackets and Capitals and Penguins were probably the three best teams in the NHL last year. Yeah. Now, we don't have a situation like that, but it's deeper this year. So well, the Penguins could get hot and win the division, and I don't think it would shock anyone. But now there are six legitimate good teams in the division. I still don't buy Carolina or Philly, even though they're not awful. But just making the playoffs becomes an issue, I think. And, you know, if this goes on for much longer, it's a huge concern. And, and usually you hear players this time of year say, ah, we're not looking at the standings. We don't care about that. Uh, I'm not hearing that this year. I'm hearing, uh, yeah, we better get going because our division's really good. So it, it absolutely has their attention. Josh, appreciate the time, man, as always. Thanks a lot. I'll come do it in person next time so I can read your cues and just make eye contact, and I think we'll be even better. Yeah, next time I'm at Buford, I'll buy you a beer or I'll slip you something under the table, and we'll... Oh, jeez, here we go. And we'll make sure sure the chemistry's back and rolling again. Very well. All right, I'll see you, bud. Thanks, dude. There he goes, Josh Yoey of The Athletic. Marsh, but never mellow. Bang! 412 
Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. Richard and Wheeling next up on the show. What's up, Richard? Uh, you had uh, Josh Yoey on. You had him on there. Yes. How do you spell, do you spell that last name, Yoey? Y-O-H-E. Y-O-H-E, Yoey. Yeah. You were also saying that you didn't like hockey, and you sort of want somebody to call it that didn't like hockey. I don't either. I don't like throwing down here in Wheeling. And I hate to even have the Penguins come on. Because all they do is just ruin a regular talk show. And uh, I just wait, 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 wait a second here, Mister Richard. What? When did I say I don't like hockey? Before you went to the break, you said you don't like hockey, and I was surprised you said that. But you said I don't like hockey, and I'd like to find out if anybody else feels the same way as I do. I don't think that's what I said. I do like hockey. I'm a big Penguins fan. Well, then you must be having a hypnagogic hallucination because I heard you say you didn't like hockey. How do you know that you're not having a hallucination? Because uh, I heard what you said. Have, I mean, you, I'm not, have you been I'm drinking not, today, Mr. Richard? No, I'm not allowed to because of the medication I take. But, oh. uh, no, I'm not drinking. I heard you say it. You say you don't like hockey. Glaucoma? You were, you, were you medicating for glaucoma? No, I, I have a... Uh, Prostate problem where uh, lymphedema gone into my prostate. Whoa. You don't, care. you don't care about that. What about weed? Weed'll help. And I, well, I have to keep wearing these. It depends all the time. And uh, when they urinate, sometimes it doesn't even what? hit the depends when I urinate on the floor. So that's not a good thing. What the hell did I ask? That's a personal problem. I feel bad for you, Mr. Richard. I didn't know it was going to go down that path. We got to do something to help Mr. Richard, man. What can we do? What can we do to help Mr. Richard with his problems? Well, I don't know. It depends. Yeah. 412-922-2874. Tweet me. Oh, come on! At underscore Adam Crowley. It sounds like we stole that from the Levitard show. The, the loser game show sound. But that wound up becoming our own drop for another reason. And Joe yeah. thought it was appropriate to hit me with it there. Yeah. But, but if you lower the show, you, you understand. Yeah. Penguins suck. And I don't think I care. I am a Penguins fan, but do I have to care that they're not playing good hockey? I, I don't think so. I've seen this fish before. It's like the Pirates, right? Everything that Bob Nutting said today, he said in some form or fashion before. Now it's just on a grander scale because we're talking about 50 mil that this guy's going to pocket. But we've heard it all before. We've seen this before with the Pittsburgh Penguins. A couple of years ago, the Penguins were dead in the water. They fired their coach, and they added a lot of talent. They wound up winning the Stanley Cup. Last year, they weren't playing great hockey for a little while. And they got hot at the right time because Jake Gensel comes up, he's scoring goals. You add some new blood to an organization, and all of a sudden, they click. All of a sudden, things start moving in the right direction. You add a little bit of new blood, you add somebody who's a little bit fresher, you add a new face, and all of a sudden, it helps lift the guys around him, and he hadn't played as much hockey as the Penguins have. The last two seasons. There's no way. Unless whoever you brought in wound up playing for the Sharks and then the Preds. If not, then they haven't played as much hockey as the Pittsburgh Penguins. 
the right moves will be made by Jim Rutherford. Does it guarantee that they win a championship? No. But do I think that we're going to see the Penguins get themselves into a position where they go to the playoffs? Hell yeah. You can't convince me otherwise. The first year of Mike Johnson, the Penguins were abysmal compared to recent standards. Abysmal. They were playing with five defensemen down the stretch. It was a disaster. And they still made the playoffs. Now, it took them to the last game of the regular season. They had to beat Buffalo, and my God, they barely did that. But they made the playoffs. If that team can make the playoffs with five defensemen playing the way that they were, with a bunch of guys who are on one-year contracts who hadn't been around and weren't going to be around, then they can make the playoffs this year. No doubt about it. That being said, if they don't, if they don't win a championship, if they don't make the playoffs, they get bounced early. I don't know how much I care. How much do you care? Four one two nine two 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 eight seven four. The Penguins, as far as I'm concerned this year, are playing with house money. They've won two championships in a row. When you win two championships in a row, whatever happens the third year can't be considered a disappointment as far as I'm concerned. The Patriots have won five championships in 16 years, and I'm sure some in New England would bemoan the fact they haven't won more than that. But it's tough to win more than that. So if the Penguins don't make the playoffs this year, or if the Penguins get ousted in the first round, don't win the championship, I'm okay. Are you? 412-922-2874. The other shoe is about to drop, I think, when it comes to Ian Cole. Ian Cole was skating on a line in a pair with Sergei Gonchar yesterday. That would have been great 15 years ago. Not so great yesterday. So I think he's getting moved out. The new guy, the six foot seven dude who can skate a little bit, will be plopped into his position. That's my read. I understand trying to add depth to the defense, but I think that Ian Cole is your most tradable asset if you don't want to trade a guy like Patrick Hornquist or if you don't want to trade a guy like Connor Sheary. It's tough to acquire forward depth by moving out a forward. The Penguins' biggest issue is forward depth. So you get rid of a guy like Ian Cole, who I think is having a fine year. He's won a couple of championships. Someone will pay a premium for that. You move him, and then you add that forward depth. My thoughts there. As for Michael Layton, a lot of people have said, well, does that mean they're going to flip Tristan Jari? No, I don't think so. Not yet. At some point, I think Tristan Jari becomes a tradable piece because I do think he's going to be a good NHL goalie and we've already seen some of that so far I just think they needed a goalie at the AHL level and you've got a little depth there now if a guy like Murray or Jari were to get hurt 412-922-2874 tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley Rob Beer Temple tweeted that Bob Nutting said he has no interest in selling the Pirates but if you had a sudden change of heart, who would you prefer as the club's next owner? Mark Cuban, Thomas Toll, Mario Lemieux, or Diddy and Kaepernick? He will sell the team if the price is right. That's all it is. If he thinks he can make money on the Pirates by selling the Pirates, that's what he'll do. Hell, Lemieux and Burkle talked about how it made sense for them a couple of years ago to maybe move on from the ownership group. If it made sense for them, and Burkle's the kind of guy who wants to make money, then 
at some point it could, if Bob Nutting's blown away, make sense for him. The question is, would anyone ever blow him away? God, wouldn't that be great? Imagine the streets of Pittsburgh if Bob Nutting were to sell the team. I know that in Florida, they dealt with the Jeffrey Loria situation, and my God, you think that Nutting's bad? How about Loria? Now, they won a World Series, but Loria would break up the team after every successful season and trade the best players. Miguel Cabrera comes to mind. Marlins fans were all excited because finally his ass was gone, and then they bring in Jeter and his schlubs. And these guys, they're doing the same exact thing that the old ownership group did. Imagine that. If the Pirates sold, if Bob Nutting was no longer the owner, you bring in Mark Cuban, and Mark Cuban's like, goodbye Kutch, goodbye Cole, goodbye Felipe Rivero, goodbye Josh Bell, we're going to sell everyone. Make that bottom line a little bit easier to overcome. That'd be frustrating. But I think the reality is that whoever owned the Pirates, in all likelihood, would be a better owner than the guy that they have. Is it that much to ask for an owner who cares? He always says he does, right? At the beginning of every season, he gives that speech at spring training, and all the writers write, Bob Nutting is committed to winning, and he says the goal this year is to win a championship. We're a rich, proud tradition. You remember pride, passion, Pittsburgh Pirates? Remember that? Stupid. He says he cares, but the business decisions don't lie to you. Matt Williamson says this every year during the NFL offseason. Well, we don't know if we're going to play more man. We don't know if we're going to play more zone. But they bring in Joe Hayden and they draft Cam Sutton. What's that tell you? They're going to play a little bit more man. NFL teams tell you what they really think. Oh, we think Vince Williams is a really good side linebacker. That's what they say outwardly. And then behind closed doors, they're trying to bring in Donta Hightower. Thank God I have Joe. My mind goes blank sometimes, probably because I tend to hit the tree a little hard, especially this time of the year. You know what I call that? I call it Christmas tree. Dave. I thought you were going to hit me with Loser Game Show again. The Pirates say one thing, just like the Steelers did this offseason. But the actions show you something else. Oh, we want to put money back into the team, but we're going to get rid of Juan Nicasio for 600 k Oh, we want to contend, but we're going to get rid of Francisco Liriano for financial flexibility. They say financial flexibility, but the money goes right in their pocket. They say we're going to put money back into the team when the time is right, yet the time never, ever seems to be right. Right? What do the Pirates need to go 75-0 and 0 to start the season before money finally gets put back into the organization? Is that the time, Bob? This from Rob Beer Temple. The Pirates' plan for the $50 million MLBAM payout coming early next year, quote, I think we'll probably be patient, patient, disciplined, focused, process-driven. None of those are popular words, but those are the core building blocks for a great organization to be successful. Down the line, we will spend the money, is what that tells me. 
He's saying down the line, eventually this money will be put back into the franchise. But when? When are we finally down the line? When do we finally get to the destination? When they won 98 games, and they didn't put enough into it. They're winning 94 games, and I'm putting enough into it. If not then, then when? If not now, then why not never? I just believe, and I think it's a rightful assumption, that at no point will we ever be satisfied as Pittsburgh Pirates fans. They're getting $50 million handed to them that they've never had before, and they're not going to use it! They're not going to use it. He's telling you he's sitting on his hands. And that's a fortuitous position for him to be in because when you're sitting on your hands, your ass is on your hands, and your hands are very close to the wallet. My God, if he sold the team, we need to come up with something. If he were to ever sell the team that we'll only talk about today, and then whenever he does eventually, we just do it on the show. If he sells the Pirates... I will buy a season-long lift ticket to Seven Springs. I've never been skiing, <laughs> never been snowboarding, boarding. Been there once in my Freudian life, ever. Yeah, once. I'll buy. I'll buy a season pass. Whatever. We'd get hammered at the foggy goggle. Yeah. I like that. I'll make that pledge. If Bob Nutting si- uh, fi- <laughs> sells the Pirates, a lot of words I want to say about Nutting. Usually, whenever I think about Nutting, it's a positive thing. Yeah. If he sells the team, and that's not something that's going to happen in the near future, certainly, and the quote says just that, I'm buying a season-long pass with Joe to Seven Springs, and we're going snowboarding. Does seem kind of boring. (laughs) I mean, for me, it would just be falling on my ass and trying to get up. Actually, I've got a really good skiing story. I'll tell you that when we come back. And today's National Signing Day. A lot of millennials get ripped for the way that they behave. I think that the elder generations actually have a lot to do with that. It's a Crowley Show. I just had one of those... Charlie horses and my hamstring. Right as we're coming on the air. Joe, you gotta come in here and work me out, man. You ever see that during an NBA game where the basketball player lies flat on his back, they extend the leg, and then all the cream gets rubbed on the hamstring there? That's what I need right now. And as you are the producer of the show, I think that that task falls in your hand. You got like a Catwoman outfit you could put on or something? <laughs> I'm in serious pain over here. Did you see my face? Oh, my God. Funny story about... Oh, my God. Charlie horses? My buddy's got a camera, and this does relate to cats, in his living room. I thought you were going to say your buddy had a horse, and his name was Charlie. Ah, Give yourself the game show sound, you idiot. My buddy Pete's got cats, and they set a camera up because the cats were peeing on a bunch of stuff. 
Well, I guess he and his girlfriend got into a fight one night, so he slept out there on the couch, on the living room couch, and in the middle of the night, he got a Charlie horse, and it looks like an invisible ghost is picking him out of his covers, his slumber, and he he's basically levitating, screaming in pain, and just grabbing himself and trying to massage it out. Bad phrasing. He's just pulling on his hamstring. Uh, bad phrasing. He was in serious pain, and it was hilarious. Because friends laugh at other friends' pain. So wait, where were the cameras? On the cats? The cameras were in the living room. Oh. Did I not make that clear? You may have said that. I just probably wasn't paying no, attention. No, you probably weren't paying attention. Because I think it'd be so cool if you put like a GoPro on a cat or something. Would it be that cool? You'd just see their crotch a lot, and they'd be licking their hole. And then you'd see him throw up the hair and whatever gunk they sucked up. And then you'd see him in the litter box and you'd see them sleeping. You really think that'd be cool, Joe? Do you maybe want to rethink that one? I mean, if it was like an outdoor cat and they go like go outside and go in the woods and everything, that'd be pretty cool. See what they get into. If they hunt and kill anything. Okay, if it's an outdoor cat, that makes a lot more sense. I, Because I'm domesticated myself, I was thinking more about the cats who are also domesticated. Hanging out in my abode. My cats don't do anything but pee in the litter box. I love them to death. They're cuddly. But do I need to see what my left breast looks like? I don't think so. Yeah, no. You already know that. Yeah. And, you know, frankly, do I really want to get that close to my wife's? I don't know. Sometimes. Yeah, I'm not going to go there. 412-922-2874. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. Okay, skiing start. Back in seventh grade, my buddy Nick and I, we won best friends. I think people thought we were gay together. We were not. But we won best friends. We were in the yearbook. Everyone loved us because we were best friends. Or at least they loved us together. I, I wasn't so cool. But regardless, we went on a ski trip together. It was ski club. It was the only time that we ever did that. We get to the top of the hill. We had never, ever skied before and when i say hill i mean mountain now i realize seven springs isn't exactly black diamond stuff but hey we're at the top of this mountain with no idea how to get down we both went off the lift and he went into a bank of snow i continued all the way down to where i was almost about to go onto a course and I had to throw myself down so that I didn't start flying a thousand miles an hour down this hill. Whenever I finally got up and I hurt my knee, I turned around and all I see is a human being shape in this giant snow mound. And it's my buddy Nick suffocating to death. So I had to get my skis off, which if you've never skied before and you're only skiing for the first time, it's a really hard thing to do. It's incredibly difficult to get up. Unless you actually take the ski off. So I had to take this ski off, and I run to my buddy and pull him out before he suffocated in the snow. What he was doing was he's basically laying face down in this snow mound, and he's just eating his way through to try to get more room for the air. He survived. I survived. And we actually rode off the mountain on a couple of those snowmobiles. I have not been skiing since. I will never ski again. Four one two nine two 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 eight seven four. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. Big time serious topic coming up at six o'clock. Seth Shostak from SETI Institute will be joining me to talk about the aliens 
We had the New York Times writer who broke the Pentagon story, Ralph Blumenthal, on yesterday at the same time. We might play some of that for you coming up after as well, because it is fascinating to me, and we've gotten a lot of good feedback on that. But we've got Seth coming up at 6, because he doesn't think that the aliens did come to Earth. Uh, We'll get into it with him coming up in about 12 minutes. Today's National Signing Day, the early signing period, first year that they've done this. It makes a lot of sense for teams like Pitt and West Virginia. They don't have to fight off the big schools for quite as long. West Virginia lost less players this year than they have in a long time, where they're flipping to other universities. So it's good for them. I think it's better for the students, too, because they can enroll early. But it's awful, awful, awful to watch how these kids are manipulated. I'm a big believer in the rights of young people, rights of people in general. I think that these athletes get exploited greatly at the collegiate level. They make all the money for the head coaches. None of it gets put back in their pocket. They do wind up making some money, I suppose, because it's the tuition, but pennies on the dollar compared to the 10-year deal that a guy... Like Lane Kiffin's going to make it FAU. Pennies on the dollar. So these kids are exploited there. But they're lied to in a lot of circumstances in this recruiting process. There's negative recruiting where these coaches tell them anything that they want to hear. Well, I guess that's positive recruiting. The negative recruiting would be, well, Dana Holgerson's breath stinks. Or Pat Narduzzi sucks. Obviously more in-depth than that, but you get what I'm going for here. So there's lies being thrown that way, both positive about the player, negative about the coaches that they're competing against, and they're telling the player everything that they want to hear from a, hey, you're going to play right now standpoint. And then these players transfer and get ridiculed for transferring despite the coaches telling them they get a chance to play in the first place. And we blame the kid. We always blame the kid. We never blame the coach. Coaches move from program to program. We don't blame the coach. We blame the kids. If a kid transfers, you've got guys like Kevin Stalling saying, oh, you can't transfer anywhere. I'm not going to let you go to this school or that school. And that's commonplace, too. We're not going to let you go somewhere in the conference. Well, You could bolt in a second. If Kevin Stallings was a great basketball coach, now I realize that that's tough to imagine. You really have to bend the rules of space and time for you to even think about this. But let's say Kevin Stallings is a really good head coach, and Mike Krzyzewski leaves Duke, and they say, oh, okay, we want to hire Stallings. Stallings could go to Duke sight unseen, right? There'd be buyout, there'd be crap like that. But he could go, and he'd go in the conference, and then they could stick it to Pitt for the next 15 years. But God forbid a player want to go and play for North Carolina. God forbid a player want to go play somewhere within the conference. We always blame the kids, and we just accept the fact that coaches can do that to these kids. These coaches tell these players whatever they want to hear, and in reality, that's not the way it always works out. And in a lot of cases, it doesn't. Hey, we need an inside linebacker. You're going to play next year. Don't you worry, sport. But they said that to the other three inside linebackers that they recruited, and those sports are getting to play ahead of you, sport. And then we blame the kid whenever he transfers. It's BS. It's bogus. It's frustrating. It bothers me. But then beyond that, you have coaches and media and administrators 
all admonishing student athletes for leaving at the end of their collegiate careers a game early. These players don't want to risk their livelihood in a meaningless bowl game. West Virginia is playing in the Zaxby's Heart of Dallas Bowl. Justin Crawford, their number one running back this year, is not playing because he wants to get drafted in the National Football League. I don't care. You shouldn't either. If James Conner were healthy enough to have played for Pitt, you wouldn't have wanted him to play either, right? No, you would have said play. Be a team player. These players get fawned over and made to feel important because they play football. And then when football can take them to that next level, they get excoriated for it when they try to look out for themselves. The same people who lie to these kids are the ones who are going to rake them over the coals if they choose to do something that's best for themselves. And y'all blame the millennial. Y'all blame the kid. How about we start blaming adults who tell these young men things that aren't really true, but they tell it to them just so that they can help them, the coach, make millions of dollars. It's all about the coach. It's all about the administration. It's all about the university. And it always is. Well, we love you, Kevin. Uh, We think you're going to be the next great quarterback at Louisiana State University. We think you're the best. We love you. And he's sitting up there on his podium. He's got his LSU hat. He's got his Alabama hat. He's got his Clemson hat, right? And he's sitting there. And national TV is focused on this kid. And he's on this podium that's propped high off the ground. Everyone's there and waiting on bated breath. Oh, my God. What's Kevin going to do? Is he going to go to LSU? Is he going to go to Alabama? Is he going to go to Clemson? Well, where's he going to go? What's he going to do? And each of the coaches who are either watching on TV or sitting there in the front row have all told him things that he wants to hear and propped them up. You're the next great thing. You're the next great quarterback at LSU or Bama or Clemson. You can be the next Deshaun Watson, Kevin. You can be. I promise. You can be that guy. And then three years later, when he's got legitimate pro prospects and he's playing in the Meineke Car Care Bowl, you're all going to excoriate him and say, oh, this kid's so darn selfish. The kid's not selfish because he was born selfish. The kid's selfish because a system made him believe that he is that important. Kevin's going to get excoriated. Kevin's going to get raked over the coals. Kevin's going to get bitched at and slapped. And his name's going to be debated on every national TV show. Stephen A. Smith's going to be yelling at one of his cohorts. Who's yelling back at him? Oh, was it a bad idea for him to leave early? Is he selfish for wanting to leave early? When in reality, the kid's not selfish because he's selfish. The kid wants to do what's best for himself because in this society, in that world, that's what we're taught to do. That's what you teach these kids. You're the most important thing. Then there's what? 80 kids on a roster, and they've all been told that they're the most important guy. So when they don't get playing time, of course they're going to feel bad. And when they bolt and you excoriate them, maybe look in the mirror. Maybe think about what you did to put that kid in that position. 412-922-2874. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. Then there are the people, this is the worst. 
who tweet at the recruits. You're not going to West Virginia? You're going to go to Penn State? You're terrible. You're a terrible person. You would, Why would you want to go to Penn State? You want to go to Pitt? Eat bleep. And it happens with every fan base. But of course these kids would develop a false sense of self-importance. Because they've been propped up for the last four years. Up next, Aliens with Seth Shostak of the SETI Institute. It's a Crowley Show.